Are you the type of person who likes to try everything quilty? Well, my guest today is known for diving into a genre and exploring it to the fullest. In fact, sometimes she goes so deep into a topic that she ends up writing a book. Today, you'll hear the story of Alison Aller from crazy quilting to stained glass and everything in between. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories of teachers, speakers, artists, and everyday quilters to share their tips, tricks, adventures, and day-to-day life that will bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share with you this week's episode. So here we go. Alison Aller has been stitching, sewing, knitting, and writing since she was a child, and that child is alive and well in the joyful work she creates today, from crazy quilting to stained glass quilting and so much more. She's been quilting nonstop for over four decades, exploring bed quilts, broidery purse, stained glass, crazy quilting, landscapes, and more. She dove deep into a decade-long passion for crazy quilts and wrote her first two books on the topic, and more recently did the same deep dive and wrote a book on stained glass quilting. Allison has been a featured quilter in dozens of magazines and on the quilt show with Ricky Timms and Alex Anderson, and she is a multiple award-winning quilter at big shows like the American Quilter Society show in Nashville and the International Quilt Festival in Houston. Allison Aller, welcome to the show. Oh, Brandy, thank you for that nice introduction and thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get into these topics. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your quilting story? What inspired you to make your first quilt? Okay, well, my very first quilt was a wedding quilt for my older brother getting married. I was 17. I knew nothing. And so I went to the army surplus store and bought 25 blue bandanas and 25 red bandanas two army blankets. And and then I used an old sheet from home and I put all that together for my first quilt. It weighed about 50 pounds, (laughs) but it, it started as a gift. And um, a lot of what motivates me is um, being able to give these as gifts. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice way to start out. So tell us a little bit about how you started quilting and where you went from there. What made you sort of just dive in and just fall in love with it? Okay. Um, my cousin, uh, my older cousin, her name's Tracy Seidman. Uh, she was an illustrator in applique back in the late 1960s and 70s. She was way ahead of her time. And she was an inspiration and a muse for me. She still is. And she, um, I went to visit her and she had this cupboard full of fabrics. And I was so intrigued. And she said, take what you want. Now imagine someone with a stash saying, take what you want. Yeah. And she helped me put my first uh, like nine patches together and stuff like that. But it didn't take long for me to just run with it. But I credit my cousin. Oh, that's so great. So you fell in love with it and you started trying all kinds of things, obviously. So you made a nine patch quilt and kind of where did you go from there? After that, I did a pictorial quilt. Um, I wish I still had it. I gave it to a college friend, but it was a bunch of plants on a windowsill. And it was a pretty intricate applique quilt, considering I had no idea what I was doing. But 
that joy of putting fabrics together and building a scene and, you know, using my hands, all that stuff was just instant passion, instant passion. Oh, that's great. And over the years, did you balance a career with quilting on the side? No, my, my career story is kind of unusual. I, I was an at-home mom and my husband at that time was an airline pilot and my two kids were very involved in their computer life. So basically I was quilting all the time at home just for the joy of it. And then blogging started and blogging was my first foray into the public and interacting with other, especially crazy quilters, because we're kind of a little corner of the quilt world and we found each other via the blogs and it was a thriving community. It was so enriching. It was fun. Yeah. So I did that for a while. And then, gosh, I was in my mid fifties and a literary agent had been reading my blog. Nice. And she contacted me and said, I think you have a book in you. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And that's when my professional life began. It happened her email came to me the same week that my younger son graduated from high school. So it was like one period was over and the next period started. And her email to me came in the spring of 2008. And I was very thrilled and excited. It wouldn't have occurred to me to go in that direction, but she helped me shape my book proposal. And I got to tell you, Brandy, having my thoughts in the hands of such a professional, we worked together and crafted a really great book proposal, if I say so. But then the fall of 2008 happened and there was this massive crash in New York City. I think at least 15% of all the people in publishing got fired. I mean, there there was no place to go with this book proposal. And it took until the spring of 2009 for us to finally catch a fish and the fish that we caught was CNT publishing who I wanted to go with from the beginning. So it worked out pretty well. So that's how it started. Yeah. And so where do you live in the world and who do you share your life with? Okay. I live at the mouth of the Columbia Gorge, which is on the border between Oregon and Washington. I live right outside of Portland you might say, but on the Washington side and and east about 15 miles, it is gorgeous here. It's beautiful. Um, It's raining a lot right now, but it is a beautiful place to live. And I share, you know, the family home where we raised our two boys. I'm here with my husband now and two new kitties. So nice. Yeah. Okay. okay, So let's go back into the blogging a little bit, because you've done that for well over a decade. Um, How did the blogging uh, sort of mesh and affect your quilting career? And what kind of, you talked about an annual sort of big post that you do on your blog every year? Oh, that's a really great question. The thing about blogging that was so exciting at the beginning was I realized that I really loved sharing my techniques and um, how tutorials, how did I do what I did? It was fun to break it down. It was fun to do the photographs and the captions. And, and I, I did that for several years and I see that as training for writing the book. It was like being, it was like doing a lot of, uh, apprentice work in writing and explaining and photographing and all of that. And it made me, um, I think it made me want to work harder because I was sharing it. So it was good for me that way. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so great. And let's mm-hmm. give a little shout out. It's Courtney, the agent, right? Let's give a little oh, shout gosh. out to her. Courtney, the agent. She used to work for Sanford Greenberger, which is like a real major agency in New York City, yeah. which I still can't believe. But she's gone off to start her own um, her own agency now called Handmade Books. And um, I'm still in touch with her on Instagram. I oh, just, that's so great. I, I will never be able to thank her enough for what she did. Okay, so let's talk about the topic for that first book. So let's talk actually about diving into a genre full blown. So when did you start crazy quilting? And why did it have have you so hooked? Okay, crazy quilting started, well, to backtrack the very first quilt I made, um, once I was past the army surplus stage, was it was a it was a pattern Americana sampler. And in looking back, it was very, very intricate and took a long time. And to me, that was a harbinger of what would happen with crazy quilting 20 odd years later. The willingness to take a, take a quilt and dive so deeply into it that it takes a year. I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, what got me started was uh, 1999, a friend of mine had... She had a high-end custom furniture store in Portland and they had a fire and all of her fabrics, even though they weren't, even though they weren't burned, they were condemned for insurance reasons. So she had to get rid of all her fabrics and all her fabric samples. And you can see where this is going. Yeah. She arrived with um, a whole SUV jammed with fabric samples of things that I had never used, like velvet and linen and dupioni silk and you know what silk burlap and like all these all these fabrics and like what do you do with a mix of fabrics well crazy quilts use a mix of fabrics yeah and I had such a a well-developed love of fabric by that time that adding all these new elements just sent me to the moon because when you're using fabrics in a crazy quilt, you've got, you've got texture, you've got luminosity or dullness, you've got the scale of the weave, you've got so many element design elements to play with that you don't get to play with, with just what we call sane quilts, just yeah. cotton quilts. So the, um, the increased design uh, options were very thrilling to me. Also the fact that it's for me anyway, it's completely improv. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard on Victoria's podcast with you, she said, if everything was planned out beforehand, I would have no interest in sewing it together. Mm-hmm. And I thought, absolutely. There are some crazy quilters who draw out every single stitch before they start. Um, Carol Samples does that. She does everything beforehand and her work looks perfect. And that would be so boring to me. I like to, I like to solve problems as they come up. I like to make decisions, you know, on the go. And in a crazy quilt, you can do that. You can just, every time, every time you get yourself into a jam, you got to make a leap and come up with a new design decision. And it's just way more engaging for me creatively. Yeah. So it was really fun to, to just jump in. So, I mean, you never know out there, there might be someone listening right now who's a modern quilter who, who's never mm-hmm. actually tried crazy quilting. So mm-hmm. can you give us a bit of a description of what's crazy quilting all about? To me, the elements of a crazy quilt is it has to have an irregular piecing. 
or applique. It's got a, the block has to be irregular. There needs to be stitching on the seams between the pieces of fabric. Yeah. And it needs to use a multitude of fabrics. Not now that said, I think any two out of three will probably end up being a crazy quilt. If you've, if you've stitched the seams on a traditional block with embroidery, that's going to look kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, or if you, if you piece irregularly and, and embroider, but it's all cotton, it's still going to look like a crazy. So there's, there's movement within those parameters. Yeah. And in the last 25, 30 years, crazy quilting has, sort of shifted. And, and now we almost call it encrusting (laughs) because there's so much embellishment and beading and, you know, little found objects, trinkets, jewelry, that the surface has gotten much heavier and more 3d. It's not quite so much fiber oriented. There's a lot of beading and stuff like that. So crazy quilting is evolving. It's evolving now. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your first two books. The first one was Crazy Quilting and the second one was Quilting a Little Bit Crazy. So what are they both about and what's the difference between the two? Crazy Quilting, um, Modern Piecing and Embellishing Techniques for Joyful Stitching, C&T's title. That's a great title. Yeah. That book is kind of an intro reference in that uh, at the beginning of the book, it has different ways of piecing a block because I've explored them all. And, and then it's got basic, you know, basic embroidery stitches. Then it's got sort of basic embellishment approaches. Like there's quite a section on 3d flowers because I love to do flowers. So it's, it's got kind of an intro at the beginning. Then it's got a gallery in the, in the center of different contemporary crazy quilting being done at that time. And then it's got projects. So um, it's, it's a workbook, mm-hmm. but I have to say it's 10 years old and it's still, it's still selling, which is amazing to me. Um, I'm very happy about that. It's entered kind of the mainstream of crazy quilting and um, it's a, it's a reference. Yeah, it's well, it's still relevant, right? And so it sounds like a really good intro to crazy quilting if you've never tried it before, for sure. Now this, the second book quilting just a little bit crazy a marriage of traditional and crazy quilting what happened to me after 15 almost 15 years of very intense crazy quilt work you have to understand brandy when you you make a crazy quilt like crazy for flowers it was 16 blocks ended up being joined together now those blocks took me two weeks to piece And then it took me a year to embellish it. And I realized that I really missed fabric play. I missed putting fabrics together. I didn't get to do that enough. So quilting just a little bit crazy is a little more fabric oriented. Um, You're making, you're making blocks, mostly blocks and um, then embellishing them sometimes by machine. There's a lot about um, machine embellishment in the second book. It's also um, combining machine and handwork, which is probably the best contribution I made in that book. Again, it's got very doable projects. 
it's got different, it's got a section on different ways of finishing because I went through a period where I absolutely hated binding and mm-hmm. I thought of a million ways not to bind. Now I like <laughs> it, but there's a, there's a lot of binding strategies in there. And I should also say that this book was a collaboration. I had a co-author, Valerie Bothell, and that was really interesting because our ways of working were so different. Our aesthetics were so different and it was really enriching for me to work with someone whose mind was so different than mine and um, who, um, you know, her love for it was just as deep as mine, but we came at things from very different directions. And one of the things in the book is that there'll be one concept for a project and then there will be Val's take on it and my take on it. And we just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, well, and I, I love this. So the cover is gorgeous. And so this, I wanted to announce right now that this is the book that we're going to be giving away on the podcast. So that's really exciting. There's 10 projects and over 30 techniques. So you want to make sure you enter that later, but we'll, we'll mention that again a little bit later. Okay. Um, okay. So let's go into your third book, which is about stained glass quilting. So how do you uh, describe stained glass quilting in the first place? Okay. Well, normally um, a stained glass quilt is to mimic the look of a, of a stained glass window. It will have what I call letting between the fabric patches. So yeah. it almost, it, it almost looks like a coloring book, like black lines with the different fabrics and colors as outlined by the, the letting, as I call it. Yeah. But um, during the nineties, before blogging, before all that stuff happened, I had just finished doing a whole bunch of rotary purse and a bunch of landscape quilts. And I thought I would try a stained glass quilt, but I was really, um, I didn't want to use the bias tape. And I, when it was um, pretty popular in the eighties, it was sort of boring. Mm -hmm. I mean, the colors were all kind of dusty rose and, and, and the letting was all uniform and it was expensive to buy. And so basically I invented for myself, maybe someone else out there has done it too, but I invented a new technique for stained glass quilting that was way faster, way more articulate and um, a lot more fun. And basically what it is, is you take a piece of black solid cotton and you put fusible on the back and then you cut it on a bias. You cut it at 45 degrees um, with a rotary cutter, pretty thin strips. I call it making black spaghetti. Mm -hmm. And what you end up having are these lines with fusible. And so you can lay out your stained glass fabrics and then go back over it with your, with your letting because you're ironing it on around curves as you go. It's just like, it's, it's so easy. I mean, it's easy. And then you go back and I sew it, I sew it down with a zigzag with a clear thread. But the thing about this technique that I really love is that you can vary the width of the line. So say you're doing a landscape and you want to give the illusion of depth, all your lines in the background are going to be very, very thin. And then in the foreground, your letting lines are going to be very thick. And that depending on how wide you cut those little strips. So it gives you a lot of latitude for design that way. And it's, and it's pretty fast work, which is also after all, all those crazy quilting years, it's fun to be able to like bear down on a project and a week later it's done. You know, that's nice too. Yeah. So tell us about that process where you really dive in. We can see that you dove deep into crazy quilting and then you did the same thing with stained glass. What happens to you that makes you go there? It's the best. It's (laughs) the best. Once I start and, and 
also combining it with the writing, it's just everything else goes away. It's all I want to do. Um, and I don't stop until I don't stop until I'm satisfied. And I don't like to stop at all. So if I if I finish something, honestly, Brandy, 10 seconds later, I'm starting the next one. I do yeah. not like to be in between projects. Yeah. So the fact like the crazy quilting, the fact that it was for a book, um, that also increases your like, you know, your commitment. I've got a deadline. I've got to have I've got to meet all these different deadlines along the way. And that can be very helpful. <laughs> but right now I'm I'm moving in a new direction and I'm diving just as deep. <laughs> There's no book on the horizon, but I seem to be that way anyway. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So let's just cover this last, this third book that you have. So what's the title of it and tell us what's within the, the pages of the stained glass book. Oh, okay. Now you're going to think this is funny. I don't have a copy of my one in English, but CMT sold the rights to oh. a publisher in Spain. So this is, <laughs> here it is in Spanish, which is really cool. Oh, neat. It's called Stained Glass Quilts, New Designs and Techniques. Okay, great. And um, this again is, it's, um, it's got a lot of technique at the beginning, a lot of design, um, design aids, like how to resize a pattern, yeah. stuff like that, that you need before you jump in. So it's basically a reference. That was my hope for it. Great. There again, there's a quite a gallery and there's projects, but my, my goal was that if somebody wanted to, to try stained glass quilting, they could use that book and away they'd go. Yeah. So. And back when Craftsy was all the rage, you did a yeah. workshop that you did a class on there too. So what kind of class did you do for them? Uh, it was on crazy quilting. Um, we had just finished, turned in the manuscript for the second book. It was 2013. And I got a call from Suzanne Woods, the who is no longer with us. I'm so sorry to say I loved her, but she yeah. was doing acquisitions for, for Craftsy and had been at CNT before that. So she knew me and she knew my book. So she invited me to come do the class. And I have to tell you, that was one of the high points of my professional quilt life was mm. filming that class. Fun. For one thing, it was 2013. It was a startup. I, I think the oldest employee there might've been 35. I mean, these people were on fire. Nice. There was so much enthusiasm there and so much professionalism. And they treated uh, me and their other teachers, they treat you so well, they pick you up in a town car and they put you up at a nice hotel. And, you know, they make sure that you're happy and comfortable. And then you work hard for three days. Um, yep. But it was wonderful. Everything was all planned out and, and mapped out before I even got there. So it was very smooth. Once I got there, we just went, doo, 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 doo. yeah, such a blast. Oh, such sounds like a really fun experience. It was. So have you had any other like quilt travel or highlights along the way? Well, as a, as a teacher, part of being an author these days with a publisher is you got to promote your book. Mm-hmm. You know, especially a smaller company like CNT doing everything they can to stay viable out there. I admire them so much. They they expect you to promote your book, yeah. and for me that involved teaching, and that involved you know traveling around the U.S. I never taught internationally, but um, I absolutely adored 
my students. I loved meeting them. I loved like, whether it was in the middle of Missouri or in Baltimore or, you know, down in Texas, wherever it was, I met the most wonderful people. Um, so I, I guess I could say my quilt travels mostly involved teaching. I did go on a I did go on a trip that was run by Amy Butler and Sujata Shah to Jaipur, India. This was in 2018. And it was all about uh, crafts and design in Jaipur. And what a rich experience that was. I can't even begin to tell you how thrilling it was every day from a design standpoint. And And I did manage to bring home... Ah, uh, 50 meters of fabric. <laughs> 50. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, all hand block printed, which is one of the things they yeah. do there in Jaipur. Yeah. And it was very reasonable uh, price-wise. So I would say of all my travels, that had the most impact on me. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Sujata. It was magical. Oh, quilt travel destinations can really be eye-opening and sometimes even life-changing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were on the board for the Quilt Alliance for over five years. So what did yeah. you do there? The mission is to save the stories of quilts, document the stories of quilts, and kind of make them available for everyone. So it's a, it's about quilt stories. And it's also about, um, to me, one of their projects, the Quilt Index, is the most incredible resource of historically documented quilt collections and they're all online. They're all free. Um, you go to, just go to quiltindex.com, which is under the umbrella of the Quilt Alliance. So I was very taken by their mission and their work. Yeah. For me personally, it was a great introduction to the business end of quilting because the people on our board, there was Mark Dunn from Moda. There was Mark Harmon from Handy Quilter. There was, there was Alex from... Orophil. I mean, all these industry people who are at the top of their game in the industry were there to promote the mission of the Quilt Alliance. But what it did for me personally was give me a window into how these companies work, who these people are. And I got to tell you, I was so impressed with all of them. I mean, the businesses had integrity. They were family oriented. I was just really so impressed to meet these people and get to work with them. And some of my quilt board homies, I mean, I've got lifelong friendships from serving on the board too. So, and it's, it's so great to invest in the story and the history and share that heritage with quilters in the future. That's great. Oh yeah. It's important. Mm -hmm. So what did you do in 2021 for the quilt Alliance? They used to have an event and hopefully it will come back called Quilters Take Manhattan, where everybody would come and it was held at FIT and it was just a glorious, glorious quilt kind of mini conference event. Well, with COVID, they had to turn it into Quilters Take a Moment. And it's been um, two days of Zoom programming, also very, very interesting. You know, there's been some good stuff on there. And to promote that, And wanting to showcase a company in New York that's been involved with Quilters Take Manhattan from the beginning, M&S Schmalberg. They make fabric flowers and they're a, I think, fourth or fifth generation business in the garment district. They make beautiful 
you know, now for couturiers or for hat makers or for Disney or for whoever, they make these incredibly beautiful flowers. And um, we wanted to showcase them, even though we couldn't be in New York, we wanted to showcase a New York company that we love. I have a pretty great personal relationship with them. So I designed a little kit that used their flowers mm-hmm. and it and it says, thanks. It's a little teeny, it's an eight, eight and a half by 11 uh, mini quilt that says uh, thanks and it's surrounded by flowers. And so I put together basically, it was basically like writing a project for a book, all the instructions step-by-step and the photographs and stuff. So you could buy the fab, the, the background fabric from Stacy Mitchell shades, textiles. We got, you know, we got a lot of great stuff donated for this kit. And so if you, you know, you buy the kit, you get instructions, you get, um, we did a Facebook video so that you can plug into that where I basically walk you through it like a 45 minute demo yeah. going through the whole thing and raise some money for the Alliance. What's been fun is seeing what people have done with the kit, the way it varies from what I presented to them. I mean, I always loved that when I was teaching, I loved it when students went off road and did their own thing, you know? Yeah. And so there's been some really beautiful things that came out of that. So speaking of 2020 and the pen, the whole pandemic, it's been a strange year, two years for everyone. So how did your business and quilting life shift over the pandemic? Oh, that's such a neat question. I changed directions pretty radically during that time. I think probably a lot of us have. I spent, well, we had, we had an illness in the family last year. It was, it, it was very sad. It was my nephew. Um, got cancer. And so as a way to reach out to him while he was going through treatment, I was doing illustrations of his wife and daughter and sending them to him on the phone and, you know, just kind of staying in because he lives in another state. Um, So I I was really working on, um, I was trying to do portraits for a while. I was thinking maybe I'd, I'd go into illustrating like my cousin did so long ago. But then after my nephew passed away, that whole urge and impulse just kind of went to sleep. And I dove into um, what my current raving mania is right now. And that's using um, vintage textiles and quilts. Yeah. And so probably since the pandemic started, I'm sure I've made 30, 30 different projects using whether it's using old blocks or old um, embellishment supplies, whether it's using parts of old quilts and remaking them, cutting up old tops and configuring them with old aprons, you know, hankies. I'm just, I've got a new palette, a new mix, yeah, um, a new aesthetic to explore. And I'm just, just head over heels in love with it. Yeah. It sounds like you have a new deep dive. I do. Where do you get all of the supplies that you use or the old vintage pieces? It's funny, you know, word kind of gets out. And once in a while, some lovely person will write me from Facebook and say, I have this collection. I don't ever plan on using it. Would you like me to send it to you? And I go, gosh, thank you. I'll pay postage, you know. Uh, So sometimes it comes from outside. Sometimes um, there's a there's a, a lady who has a, 
amazing stash. Uh, it's her business um, yeah. and very good prices. I buy from her. I just, and as a crazy quilter, I've been collecting, you know, odd bits for a long time. So I, I have a pretty good stash to work from uh, yeah. at this point. And I, and, and I would also have to say right now, as I'm going through this series, I'm calling it palimpsest. And what that is, is when something original is changed, the form of it changes, but some of the original still shines through. Yeah. So like, say I start with an old quilt and I'll build a new design on it. I make sure the old quilt kind of is mm -hmm. present as well. Yeah. And this Palimpsest series has turned into a personal retrospective for me where I'm engaging in genres that I that I practiced for years, but I'm applying it in a new way. Like my current one is very much an embellished crazy quilt, Palimpsest. Before that, I have one that is stained glass combined with vintage. And I have one in, the, in my head that's going to be landscape combined with vintage. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's blurring the genres and it's kind of reviewing my body of work over the last decades that is taking me on this dive right now. Yeah, that sounds so good. So you're going to have to describe what you mean by palimpsest. Can you break that down for us? Okay. Let's say I have an old beater quilt. It's nothing to look at, but it has beautiful hand quilting on it. I want to preserve the feel and some of the look of that beautiful old quilt, but then maybe I'll throw it in a dye bath. And so <laughs> it's been, it's been revivified, but there's still that old quilting as part of the mix. So the old shines through to the new. Okay. This is a question that I love to ask every guest that I have on my show. And it is in your quilting world. What brings you the most joy? Putting fabrics together. Absolutely. And just pushing on a design and, you know, watching it grow, watching it fail, revamping, putting it back together. Um, but putting fabrics together is my deepest love. No question. Oh, okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Allison's award-winning quilts and a DMC floss contest she entered called What is Your Best Stitching Memory? We'll be right back. You can find today's sponsor for the Quilter on Fire podcast at cottoncuts.com. Cotton Cuts provides premium fabric products through their 12 designer fabric and thread memberships, perfect for every quilter in your life. Their anticipated global puzzle mystery quilt launches in February, and they want you to join in on the fun. With 10 months of pre-cut fabric pieces coming to your door in 14 beautiful colorways, you'll have a fun mystery to solve every month. Can you sew a straight line? Then the mystery is your next step to a beautiful quilt. Head to cottoncuts.com to join the thousands of detectives ready to solve the mystery. And we're back. Now, Allison, you are an award-winning quilter. So what was it like to win your very first award for a quilt? Oh, it was, it was such a thrill. Um, it was for Summer Lake Day, which was my first big, committed, crazy quilt. Um, it took me a year, and it was of a subject that is very dear to my heart, like Michigan, and entered it in AQS. They had a crazy quilt category. And there it was. And I felt so validated. 
I just did. Like I had worked really, really hard and did my very, very best. And people appreciated that and, and gave me an award. It was very thrilling. Oh, that's great. Okay. So tell us about a couple of your other wins. Um, you know, I will be very honest in Houston. I think the embellishment category is a little easier to get into than maybe some of the other ones that have so many more entries, like um, say innovative piecing might have a hundred entries, but embellished quilts might have 30, you know, so the odds are a little bit better, I will say. Um, But the quilts that I have won in Houston have all been in the embellished quilt category. Yeah. And they've all been quilts again, where I think of them as my novels, like they take a year, I pour everything I have into it, everything I know into it. I'm willing to spend three days just putting um, lazy daisies around a frame. I mean, it, I, my commitment is total and I compromise nothing. Um, I give it, I give it everything. I feel it, it is demanding of me. Yeah. And to me that I, I, there are times when I can look at a quilt and I'll know exactly she was feeling that way. She did not hold back. And with that kind of a standard that I set for myself, you know, you end up with something that's hopefully, you know, going to have some quality to it. Yeah. Oh, that's so so great. Okay. So let's tell us a little bit about that story about the DMC contest. What was it called and what did you do for that? Okay. It was, uh, oh God, this was great. This DMC threads, you know, we crazy quilters all, I'll use them. And, uh, they had a contest called what is your best stitching memory? You tell us in a 250 word essay and we will show you ours. And what they meant by that was we will give you a tour of our factory in Malouse, France, along with a week in Paris, you know, So enter this contest and you will win a week in Paris, a trip to Malou's, spending money. I mean, it was an amazing prize. And I thought I've got to win this for my sister because I really wanted to take my sister to Paris. And so what I did was um, my essay was called The Running Stitch. And it was how embroidery has gotten me through very tough times. And then as my life has kind of settled down and, you know, grown into happier times it's accompanied me there too from getting through high school with a broken heart to dealing with the death of my mother to getting married and making things for my new baby and and then to um exploring the art of my craft you know so it's this sort of story arc and then what cinched it i'm telling you is instead of instead of sending in my essay digitally, I printed it on really, really nice thick paper. And I took DMC thread and I embroidered running stitch around the paper. And I mailed that in and by golly, I won. So my sister and I had like the most amazing fun trip to Paris. Oh, that's so great. What a nice story. And you were, you were also featured on the quilt show with Ricky Timms and Alex Anderson a couple times. So how many times and what was the, what were the topics each time? Okay. Um, two times. Um, the first one was kind of, um, for use. It was the beginning of using vintage textiles and quilts, combining old with new. It, It was really, um, to promote my second book. 
Yeah. Um, so on, on that show, I was showing how I use different elements in, in putting together a quilt. Okay. Um, and it was great working. I mean, both of them are wonderful and the crew is wonderful, but working with Ricky, I have to say, he instantly knew what I was going for artistically. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had, he had such a deep eye that he, that I felt like, wow, this person is really seeing what I'm going for. And I don't get that feeling all the time, you know, Yeah. he, he definitely stared all the way through. So that, that was great. And then the, the second time was stained glass presenting the technique to go with the next book. Yeah, that's really fun. So, so just tell us a little bit about what it was like. Did you fly there? And, and then you like, were you in hair and makeup? How did it work? Like, did they prep you well or? Oh, it's very exciting, especially the first time. Um, this was before they moved down to Dallas. They had been outside of Denver. You walk up into this huge building and there's the peacock from NBC on the door. And like, you're in a big television studio. Wow. And that's pretty exciting. And then they come and get you and lead you back to the set and you meet everybody super friendly and they put you at ease right away. Yeah. Um, you know, we've worked with the producer beforehand. So I had, you know, I knew what I was going to be presenting. I had my step outs already. All of that was done. Yeah. ahead of time. And, you know, you get to bring your quilts and put them up on the wall, be, you know, on the set. That's very exciting. And, um, and then they just, they're prepared, you know, they've got a list of questions. They bring you in and welcome you. And then you have a couple different sessions working once with Ricky, once with Alex. And it, the whole thing went by so fast. It was just kind of a dream. It was so fun. Yeah. And you were on another show called Quilt Out Loud with Jody Davis and Mark Lipinski. How did that go? Oh, God, I love those two. <laughs> I met, they were on the board, uh, yeah. Quilt Alliance board. Okay. And, um, Jody, Jody and I filmed in, um, in Denver and that was, uh, that was more tutorial that was working with lace, putting color on lace and then using that in, in quilts. <laughs> Mark, Mark was filmed. Um, it was filmed at the Newark museum, which is a fabulous museum. And Mark was different. You know, Mark comes from a talk show background and, he was the one who, you know, he, he, we talked for a long time. And then when the cameras rolled, he hit me with these questions that uh, were way out of left, left field. Oh, really? Just to see, you know, what would I do? Like, like he said, after all this talk about crazy quilting before the first thing he said was, why would anyone want to do this? Oh, <laughs> it no. takes so long. I mean, it was so funny. It was so funny. Mark, Mark was a force of nature to work with an absolute joy. Yeah. An absolute, just so funny, so much fun. Well, and you know, it's so funny that he would say that because my answer to that would be because it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's mind, you know, it's like a methodical movement when you're stitching mm -hmm. and it really kind of heals the soul, right? Oh, it, it does. Well, another answer might be my cousin, Tracy, again, the one who got me started, she ended up making these very intricate pine needle baskets and people would ask her, how do you have the patience to do that? And she said, I get impatient if I can't do this. And that's, ex that's exactly how I feel. 
And that's what I told Mark. (laughs) Such a good answer. Okay. So we talked a little bit about your vintage work most recently and Mm -hmm. how you're making that into quilts. So what's on your design wall right now? Um, I'm, I am finishing up the kind of crazy quilt oriented palimpsest. This is number nine in my series. I have probably three more mapped out in my mind, um, that I'm, that I want to do before I come up for air. And um, these quilts, I think, are going to be, they're going to have a debut exhibit um, in 2023. So I sort of have a, I have a goal to aim for. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm still in the middle of this very, very deep exploration. One thing that, that is going to be a little different, I have a couple lined up that are going to be combining um, international textiles. So one of them is going to be done with saris. Mm-hmm. And then I have one lined up that's, um, it's to honor a friend who's, she's, her heritage is Croatia and Poland. And um, then those family members came to America. So I want to make a quilt that combines Croatian, Polish and American textiles in honor of her. So that's going to be um, a new, a new element, a new challenge. Yeah. Okay. And everybody kind of knows that I have the luxury of a bit of a discovery call with you before we do the podcast. And I remember you mentioning the words feral quilting. So what's that? Oh boy. Well, that was an experiment last year where I love, uh, I guess they call it color work knitting pattern knitting. Like, and, um, I wanted to see how that would look pieced in a quilt. Mm. So I graphed out a ferrile pattern, um, different, different bands of pattern. And I figured out a way to make them pretty quickly. I used Seminole piecing. Yeah. Uh, and, um, I came up with this quilt. They, all the squares were finished one inch and it looked like it would have taken forever, but it really didn't because of the uh, Seminole work. Yeah. And, um, I, again, I could, I could go off for a couple of years and explore that. Yeah. I did get a pattern for a, a fair isle sweater <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing terrible. <laughs> it's, it's too hard to follow the pattern. It's too uh, hard to follow the pattern, but, um, I would love to go back and do that. The quilt came out really cool. Oh, great. Okay. So we're going to head on into the lightning round Robin oh, now. Okay. So are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So what is your favorite notion? Oh my gosh. I shouldn't have to think about this. Um, an array of needles. Okay. You love to have a different needle for every need, right? Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. Who was the first creative or quilting inspiration in your life? Oh, Tracy Seidman, my cousin. Okay. And what color do you gravitate to most when you're quilting? Well, I, I would say green, but I, I think I would describe my palette as kind of English perennial garden on steroids. (laughs) Pretty much it. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. Who have you loved making quilts for the most in your life? My family. Yeah. My family. Okay. And do you have any other passions in your world besides quilting? Um, Yeah. Flower gardening for sure for sure. And my flower gardening and my quilting just, um, cross pollinate all the time. 
Okay. And I think we're going to bring your husband into the mix here for a second, because I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite snack in the quilting studio? Oh boy, my husband has taken up artisan, artisan sourdough baking. Everything from, you know, baguettes to bagels to pita to bread to pizza. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh, it sounds so good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for enduring the lightning round, Robin. That was a lot of fun. So we have mentioned your blog, but let's talk a little bit more about your blog because you still do a nice annual review type of post on your blog. So what's your blog called and where can we find it? Okay. My blog is, um, it's called Allie's in stitches, all one phrase, A L L I E S I N stitches, Allie's in stitches. Okay. So type that in, you should find it. Now that blog, my, one of my sons is a software engineer and he wrote this code for my blog and you'll see on the right-hand side, all these different kind of like tagged words. Mm-hmm. And so it's a pretty long list. So if there's some technique you're interested in or some project, if you click on that, it'll take you to all those blog posts. So it's a nice archive, mm-hmm. nice way to go through it. Um, I'm not I'm not posting tutorials and things like that on my blog these days. Um, I find Facebook and Instagram way more immediate for interacting yeah. with people. But every year at the end of December, I do a very comprehensive year in review of all the finishes I've done for that year. Yeah. And that's coming up. And I'm, um, I'm looking forward to that because I've had a very diverse and productive year. (laughs) So there'll be a lot to look at. Oh, good. Now I'm going to outline the contest giveaway. This week's prize is the book Quilting a Little Bit Crazy by Allison Aller and Valerie Bothell. This is Allie's second book and I featured it in the Tuesday podcast preview. So if you're not signed up for that, go to quilteronfire.com and sign up for my email list today. That's where you find all of the weekly contest links and all the prize info and the info on every guest. So you can enter the giveaway today and every day for five days and the prize is on every Sunday. That is such a generous prize, Allison. Thank you. My pleasure. Now, Allison, as we wrap up, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? I would say just do it. Just do it. Even if you think, oh, how am I going to start on a big quilt? I'm not familiar with it. It's so overwhelming. Start small with a few colors or fabrics that you really love. Don't try and use something up that is there and you have to use it, but you don't like it. Get rid of that. Just start small with some things that you really love and get your hands busy and um, allow yourself to not like your result. Allow yourself to pursue your result. Just try not to have any expectations, but just dive in and start doing the work and see where it takes you. Oh, that's such a great parting message. And, you know, I really love the idea of just go ahead and try because, and if you're having trouble, of course you can find something like Allison's blog and then you can go <laughs> search the topics and look it up. Right. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. So that's such a nice parting message. Thank you. So I'm so glad to have had you on the show. Thanks for being my guest today, Allison. Oh, Brandy. Thank you. It's been really fun. I'm oh, great. It. 
So that was my guest, Allison Aller. I wanted to have her on the show because I have also been known to dive headfirst into a new technique or style, and it's nice to know I'm not alone. I love the fact that she went so hard into the topics of crazy quilting and stained glass and so many other things that she loves, and she ended up writing books and being featured everywhere to share her skills and passion. You can find her books at your local quilt shop or check out the CNT website or find them on Amazon, of course, and you can connect with Allie Aller on Facebook and Instagram. Now, remember, please share this podcast and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. The kindest compliment you can give me is an introduction to your friends. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.